0: Okay, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to again study his words and his commands. Now, the question that we have for this evening is, well, who is the restrainer? Now, this question was given to us by one of our members in the Assembly of Yahushua, and the question is as follows. Uh, Good morning, uh, Brother John. Please enlighten me in my opinion regarding my above explanation about the restrainer. And so the viewer is asking, you know, what... How what, what is my opinion, basically, or what is uh, my understanding of his opinion about who the restrainer is? And so let's go ahead and take a look at his opinion. This is uh, pretty lengthy, but please uh, bear with me because it is, uh, has a lot to do with the question for today. Uh, this is what he wrote. There are many Bible preachers who explain about who the restrainer is, who will be taken out of the way before the man of lawlessness or Antichrist will be revealed. All of them whom I have heard and watched are giving their opinion about the Restrainer. Some say the Restrainer is the Holy Spirit. Some say it is the church or assembly. Some say it is Michael the Archangel. However, there is no biblical explanation, as far as I know, clearly identifying who the Restrainer is. And this is very true because the Bible does not explicitly tell us who the Restrainer is. And so the best we can do is... Uh, to make an educated guess based on the teachings and the verses of the Holy Scripture. So the purpose of this episode of the BQA is not to give you uh, an answer that is dogmatic, but it's something that we're going to look into and examine and offer various opinions about the subject. And so there's no biblical specific explanation, explicit explanation, identifying who the restrainer is. I have not heard anyone explain that the, the restrainer could be a world leader or a very well known and influential personality who in the future will oppose the establishment of a one world religion. This plan is already at works. It's about the ec- economical movement taking place right now to pave the way of establishment of one world government to be headed by one world leader, the Antichrist. In the beginning, First three and a half years of the reign of the Antichrist, he is not yet revealed as the Antichrist. He will only be revealed at the second half or the middle of the seven-year tribulation. Could it not be possible that a courageous world leader or a group of world leaders or an international or group of international known personality will serve as a strong opposition to the one world leader or Antichrist? In all probability, a world leader, in order to rule the nations of the world, he must be a dictator or a strong leader. In my view, there's no way for a democratic principled leader to stand and last long under a democratic government. I believe the only way to rule the world is through dictatorship. My conclusion is that the person or group of people who will strongly oppose the one world leader is the restrainer being mentioned in the bible and the restrainer will be imprisoned or killed upon the order of the antichrist and so he is asking me for my opinion or my take on his idea or his conclusion that a person who will come in the future some kind of personality or a group of people and this person will strongly oppose uh, the world leader or the Antichrist. And this person who will oppose the Antichrist is what is mentioned in the Holy Bible as the restrainer. So what is the restrainer? Who is he? To get context, let's, let's take a look at the biblical passage concerning the restrainer in the book of Second Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until... He is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8, it mentions he who now restrains, and this he who now restrains will continue to restrain. And when we say restrain, it's basically hindering the work of lawlessness. So he's restraining or hindering the work of lawlessness. And when he, the restrainer, is taken out of the way, the lawless one will be revealed. So our question is, well, who is the he who now restrained that must be taken out of the way for the lawless one or the Antichrist to be revealed? So we're going to attempt to answer that question. Is that okay? We're going to offer different uh, answers and it's up to us, up to you, to test which one you believe is more biblically sound. Now, what is the purpose of the Apostle Paul in even mentioning the the restrainer in the first place? So to get context, let's begin reading 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 down to 2. This is how it all started. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Yahushua Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit, or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. And so this is how it all started. It was a concern concerning some brethren in Thessalonica. And so in this letter of the Apostle Paul, he is pacifying a troubled group of Thessalonians, because these these Thessalonians, they are troubled, they are shaken, because they think they miss this gathering together to Yahusha in the air. What is that gathering together with Yahusha in the air? What is that referring to? That is the harpatzo. And so basically, these troubled Thessalonians, well, they thought they missed the quote-unquote rapture. They missed the harpazo, they missed the being caught up together with Yahusha in the cloud. So they basically believe that they were left behind. And so they're going to go through the judgments that Yahuwah intends after the harpazo event. Because in our studies, we have the harpazo and the seventh trumpet. And afterwards, we have the seven bowls of judgment. And so they thought they were left behind. And if you feel you're left behind, of course, you're going to be troubled. So Apostle Paul says, don't be troubled you know, don't be deceived. So the Thessalonians thought they missed the gathering together to Yahushua, that they missed the harpazo. And so to pacify the Thessalonians, to calm them down, Apostle Paul wrote the following, three down to four, let no one deceive you by any means. Apparently, there were people trying to deceive the brethren in Thessalonica. So Apostle Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And so there is the day of Christ or the day of Yahuwah, which we know is a period of Yahusha's appearing all the way to his second coming. It's a 1,000-year event. Apostle Paul says that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all, that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Apostle Paul says, don't be concerned. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone make you believe that you missed out on the harpazo because before that can happen, this has to happen first. What is that? The falling away. Now, of course, there's been many falling aways in the Holy Bible. Ever since the beginning of man, human beings have followed the pattern of apostasy or apostasia, but this is the falling away that Apostle Paul is referring to. And he's speaking to the man of sin who's destined to suffer perdition or to be destroyed by the breath of our King Yahusha. So what Apostle Paul is saying is the harpazo, he did not miss the harpazo because before that event, Uh, can even happen. There's going to be the revelation of this man of sin who is going to be sitting at the temple of God, who is at the Antichrist. And so Apostle Paul basically tells them this cannot yet happen. You did not yet miss the harpazo. Now, when will this happen? Well, let's keep reading five down to six. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So when will this man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, not an Antichrist, but the Antichrist, because we know in our previous studies there have been many Antichrists, but there is the Antichrist that we need to be very concerned about who will come at the end times. And Apostle Paul says he will come. At his own time. In other words, there's a revealed time, a revealed day, a specific day when this Antichrist is going to reveal himself. And so unless that day comes, uh, we don't have to be worried. And so Apostle Paul says the reason why this hasn't happened yet is because there is someone restraining. You see that? And now you know what is restraining because there is a restraining force. The appearance of the Antichrist has not yet happened because this restraining force has been placed there because Yahuwah in his sovereignty allows and permits when this man of lawlessness will appear. And so there's this restraining force. That is in the way. And so six down to eight. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So according to Apostle Paul, There is this force or influence of restraining and there is this person who is restraining because it says he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So according to Apostle Paul, there is this mystery of lawlessness already at work. You see signs of evil, you see signs of apostasy, but it hasn't reached ripeness it hasn't reached the full amount yet. And so according to Apostle Paul, there is a restraining force. There is he who restrains. And when this he who restrains is taken out of the way, that's when the Son of Man, that's when the lawless one will be fully revealed. And so we know, the Bible says, there is this he who now restrains. So according to the person asking question... He believes in his conclusion, his opinion, is this person is someone from the future, and he's going to be a well-known personality, and he's going to use his charisma or his strength, his influence to try to restrain or to oppose the Antichrist, and then he will be killed, and then once he is killed, that's when the Antichrist is going to be revealed. And so let's test this conclusion that he has. Let's test the possibility that a person or a group of people from the future represents the he who is restraining. Let's go back to Second Thessalonians 2, 6 down to 8. You notice in the work of restraining, there is in verse 6 a what, and in verse 7, a he, right? And so there is what is restraining and a he who now restrains two different kinds of pronouns. The first pronoun is a neuter pronoun, the what, right? It's not a he or a she, it's a what. And then the other pronoun is he, which is a masculine singular. And so in this passage of the Apostle Paul, he uses certain grammatical structures to make a point. And so he begins with a what is restraining. And then in verse 7, he says, he who now restrains. There's a what and there is a he. And so to fit this paradigm, when we test the idea that there's a person who will come in the future, right? A, or a group of people who will come in the future who is going to do the work of restraining uh, this evil force which is causing lawlessness to abound, let's see if it fits this model. In the book of, uh, let's go take a look at, uh, so if he believes that in the future, someone's gonna come, well, this someone has to be one person because it is a masculine, singular. It's a male person, not female. So a male person is going to be the one who restrains, and his influence, so he must have Some kind of powerful influence, because that is what is going to be restraining. And so when we look at the possibility of a person in the future doing this, uh, combating the evil influence of the Antichrist, it doesn't seem possible. And the reason why I say it doesn't seem possible is because when we look at the passage, when we look at the he who now restrains and Apostle Paul saying what is restraining at the same time in verse seven, he also says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And this influence this person who now restrains is somehow mitigating this mis- this lawlessness that is already at work and so if it's already at work. What does that mean? It means that this person who is influencing against or hindering or restricting against lawlessness, well, he must have had his influence even during the days of the Apostle Paul. Because when Apostle Paul wrote this, he says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And because it's already at work, there's already this restricting force that is preventing it from being fully um, expressed, right? And so what is this force that is already there during the first century? Apostle Paul, I mean, Apostle John identified it. First John 2.18, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So in the first century, when Apostle John was writing his letter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation, there was already many antichrists in the first century. That's the mystery of lawlessness at work, the spirit of the antichrist. But the antichrist has not yet appeared. Why? Because the restrainer is active. And so what does that mean? The restrainer must have been present during the days of John and during the days of the Apostle Paul. And so that rules out this person who will come in the future because this person or group of people must have been already present during the first century, resisting the mystery of lawlessness. Make sense? Why else do I not believe that? The conclusion that some person from the future is the restrainer mentioned in 2 Thessalonians. Now let's read Second Thessalonians 2, 5 to 7. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Apostle Paul says... Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining. So the Thessalonians have knowledge. They know who the restrainer is because Apostle Paul discussed it with them before. Because for some time, Apostle Paul spent some time in Thessalonica. And he spoke to the brethren there. No doubt he taught them about prophecy. And he apparently they had a discussion with them about the restrainer. And so if the restrainer was already identified during the days of the apostles, well, then it would not make sense that the restrainer is someone from the future or individual or group of people from the future. So this is why I kind of rule out the conclusion that was made that some person, influential, charismatic, powerful person from the future Who will oppose the Antichrist is the one who is the restrainer. And lastly, to kind of rule that out, because for this person to go against the Antichrist, right, it means he already knows he is the Antichrist and the people know he's the Antichrist. So it's already been revealed that he is the Antichrist. And then once he's put out, um, people already know that he is the Antichrist even before the opposer, the, rest, the one who is restraining it, dies. And so that kind of rules out that possibility. So who then is the restrainer? Well, let's go test other possibilities. Uh, for example, from the stand of the Iglesia de Cristo, the stand of the Church of Christ is that the apostles is the one referred to as the restrainer who needs to be taken out of The way. Let's go ahead and test this possibility. Why do they believe that it's the apostles who represent the restrainer? Well, let's read the book of Acts 20, verse 25. Apostle Paul is the one speaking here. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. For I know this that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, From among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So according to Apostle Paul, he gave a warning to the congregation in Ephesus. And he says to them, time will come when you will not see my face anymore. And he was, of course, referring to his death. And so after he is gone, after his departure, after his death, something will happen to the flock. It's not going to be spared. It's going to speak perverse things. It's going to fall into apostasy. So Apostle Paul is saying uh, something's going to happen with the Ephesian church after he is going to die. And so that is the basis for their belief that the apostles, once they die, that's when the identity of the Antichrist, not an Antichrist, but the Antichrist is going to be Fulfilled. So is that feasible? Is that the answer? Let's go back to Second Thessalonians chapter two, six to eight. Remember, it says he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so the pronoun he is a masculine singular. It's not a masculine plural. So it represents one being or one entity and so it could not be apostle Paul and so for second Thessalonians 2 6 to 8 and Acts 20 to be made you have to um, identify who that he is and we know it cannot be apostle Paul because he says he who now restrains instead of saying I who now restrains he's not including himself he's referring to someone else who is doing the work of restraining. So Apostle Paul does not include himself as the restrainer and identifies the restrainer as a singular pronoun. However, uh, even greater than that, an argument against that is the fact that the apostles died about 2000 years ago, right? I mean, Apostle Paul died like around 60 AD, Apostle John died about what, 180? That was about 2000 years ago. And so even to this very day, we don't know who the Antichrist is. And so it's highly unlikely that the restrainer refers to any of the apostles. It's highly unlikely it's referring to the apostles at all. And so we can rule that one out. So let's go ahead and test another possibility. And from the question that was asked, uh, there are those who suggest the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, some say it is the church or assembly. And that's the standard understanding. That is the quote-unquote um, majority view. Most people who study the Bible believe that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit indwelling in the ecclesia. Because the Holy Spirit in the ecclesia, uh, the Holy Spirit manifests itself through the ecclesia. It empowers the people, and so the Holy Spirit and the ecclesia working together, that represents the restrainer. So is that, um, can we make a biblically sound argument supporting this conclusion? Let's go back to Second 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, 6 to 8. Remember, we have what is restraining, that is the neuter pronoun, and we have he who now restrains, that is the masculine singular, it turns out the Holy Spirit in the Bible is described both as a neuter, as a what, and as a he in the masculine singular. And so there's a strong possibility, right? It seems to be that that is a good case, a good argument for believing the Holy Spirit is the restraining force, And also the one who restrains the work of lawlessness because of the fact that the Holy Spirit throughout the Holy Bible is described as a he and also at the same time as a what. Okay. Uh, Secondly, the Bible teaches that the, the work of this restraining force is to restrain lawlessness. Lawlessness, we know, according to Scripture, is the definition of sin. And so how does the Holy Spirit come into play resisting sin? John 16, 8 to 13, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of uh, things to come. So according to uh, our Lord Yahushua, the Holy Spirit, who is described in the masculine singular The work that the Holy Spirit does is to convict the world of sin. In that sense, he is resisting the work of lawlessness. In that sense, one can describe the Holy Spirit as the restrainer. It makes a lot of sense. However, what is problematic is when you read the passage in its plain sense, if the Holy Spirit is the one who now restrains, how do you make of what it says, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so this tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of the way. Can the Holy Spirit of Abba be taken out of the way? What does that mean? Well, those who believe that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, how do they explain That part of the passage. How do they explain the Holy Spirit being taken out of the way? Let's read Corinthians 3.16, which is kind of, which is what we've already alluded to earlier. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? So the Holy Spirit, even though it can be everywhere, the Holy Spirit only manifests itself through a person, right? The indwelling in a person. And so the Bible says you are the temple of God. The Ecclesia is the temple of God. So the Spirit of God dwells in the Ecclesia or the individual members of those who belong to Yahushua. This is also found in Timothy the good things which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So the Holy Spirit dwells in the spiritual temple, which is the Ecclesia, the individual members of the Ecclesia as well. And Apostle Paul also mentions this in Romans 8, 9 to 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Yahushua from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so the Bible identifies those who belong to Yahusha. What belongs to Yahusha? The Ecclesia, right? Those who belong to Yahusha, the Ecclesia. the Bible says the spirit of God should be dwelling in them. His spirit dwells in each and every one of us. And so... When the ecclesia is raptured, what does that mean? There's no more instrument, there's no more vessel by which the Holy Spirit on earth can be manifested. And so, according to that view, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way when the ecclesia is raptured. This is why the rapture of the ecclesia means the Holy Spirit, according to them, Mm -hmm. is basically removed from the earth. And so that's according to that view. So when the Ecclesia is caught up into heaven to be with Yahushua, in a sense, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit has been removed. Only then will the Antichrist will be revealed. So when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist can now be fully revealed because there will be no more resist it so according to this view the holy spirit is removed there's no one who's going to stand against the anti-christ and so he's going to be fully revealed how do you think about what do you think about that view you buy it you believe it i mean it's the standard view however i don't believe that is the proper explanation of the restrainer and the reason why i don't believe that is because when the even when there is the catching up into the to the air or the rapture of the Ecclesia, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's presence and work is no longer to be found on earth. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's work cannot cannot be manifested anymore. The reason why is because even after uh, the Ecclesia is raptured, during the tribulation, we have evidence the work of the Spirit is ongoing. Revelation 7, 13 and 17, then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know, and he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so according to scriptures, there's going to be many people who will come out of the great tribulation. In other words, there are going to be many people who will come face to face with the Antichrist, with the beast, and prevail over him, or who will not accept the mark of the beast. In other words, there's going to be many who are going to be saved even after the harpazo, even after the Ecclesia is raptured into heaven. Well, how can they receive salvation? Salvation can only be received through who? Yahushua. When a person professes faith in Yahushua, what does that mean? They receive the Holy Spirit. This is why the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer, it doesn't fit the events that take place during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. What also further proves this? Revelation 14, 12 to 13, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Yahusha. For a person to remain faithful to Yahusha, well, you you are only able to do that through the power of the Spirit. And once you're faithful to Yahusha, then you already have the Spirit. You have the seal of the living God. And so even after the harpazo, there are those who will be obedient to the commands of Abba and remain faithful to Yahusha. And then verse 13, I heard a voice from heaven say, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. So there are people who will receive salvation even after the harpazo. Revelation 20 confirms this. I saw thrones. On which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Who were they? Those who were harpazod, Those who were going to follow our King Yahusha. Because they go to heaven, they will return. When Yahusha will return to earth to destroy the Antichrist and the beast. So he sees the thrones. And I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony for Yahusha. And because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and have not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So there are people who, because of the spirit dwelling in them, they resist the work of the beast. They do not receive his image. They do not receive his mark, and they do not worship the beast. Instead, they're loyal to Yahusha, even are willing to die and be, become and lose their head, right? For the sake of our King Yahusha. Question for a p- person to be able to do this, who's indwelling in them? The Holy Spirit. So clearly, the Holy Spirit's presence is still manifested throughout the world. And we can even read this in Joel chapter 2, the book of Acts 17, where the, the Spirit of God will be made manifest all over the world. This is why it's kind of hard to justify the, the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. Now, there are also those who believe that it could be Michael, the archangel, right? So let's go ahead and test the conclusion, this idea that the restrainer is Michael, the archangel. Let's go to Second Thessalonians. So we know there is an influence that is restraining and what the restraining is lawlessness, and there is he who is restraining lawlessness, and once he is taken out of the way, what's going to be revealed? The lawless one. Who is the lawless one? The Antichrist. Let's go ahead and test the idea that Michael, the angel, is the one that fits this description. Could it be Michael? Well, if it is Michael, can we describe Michael? as some kind of restrainer or doing the work of restraining? I think so. Take a look at Daniel, chapter 10, 12 to 14. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have uh, come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So what we read to you was about Daniel when he fasted for 21 days, when he wanted to know about the events that will take place concerning his people, so he prayed. Right, but he did not get the answer until 21 days later. And so the angel, once he arrives giving the answer to Daniel's prayer, he's explaining to Daniel, you know, from the first day that you prayed, it was already answered. I was sent by God to answer your prayer, but it took 21 days. Why? Because he was hindered, he was being restrained. Restrained by who? This The prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is another angel, because in our previous studies, we know that there are certain dominions on earth, certain kingdoms and places on earth that have been assigned by Yahuwah, angels that will oversee the work of these jurisdictions or dominions. In the dominion of the kingdom of Persia, there was an angel assigned right? Uh, Gabriel, There's he's assigned un, uh, a, a, a specific work to do. Michael, one of the chief princesses, he also has work to do. So we have jurisdictions, dominions that have angels, and somehow our prayers involves the work of hindering, the work of expediting certain things that in, in our physical world that is being done in the spiritual world. This is why there is work in the spiritual realm that we cannot see, the work of angels who are who could be restraining the work of other angels. So Gabriel was sent, but he was, of course, held back or restrained by this prince from the kingdom of Persia, but who helped him? Michael, the archangel. And Michael. Being an angel, what was his assignment? Let's read Daniel 10. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And so there are these cosmic battles taking place. Beyond our visibility, beyond our eyes, are taking place in the spiritual realm. And so you have the prince of Greece, the prince of Persia, and then you have the prince of Israel. Who is the prince of Israel? Michael. Because the Bible says, Michael, your prince, he's referring to Daniel, who is of Israel, right? And so he's telling us that Michael is the one assigned to protect Israel. So Michael is the angelic protector of. Yisharal. And so when we go to 2 Thessalonians and test to see whether or not Michael the archangel could be the restrainer, we have to answer the question when Michael the archangel stops restraining, when he's taken out of the way, the Bible says the lawless one will be revealed, which to me, in my humble opinion, it makes a lot of sense when you have the protector of Israel taken out of the way, that gives the opportunity for the lawless one to sit in the headquarters therein, Israel. So the lawless one will be revealed. And what does it mean? That the lawless one will be revealed. We read that already in two, three, down to four. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless. The falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so what does it mean that the lawless one will be revealed? It means he will occupy the place he wants to occupy which is the temple. Where is the temple located? Israel. When will he be able to sit there? When there's no more restrainer, when there's no more protector of Yishalal. And so when Michael the archangel steps away, then the path is clear for the Antichrist to be revealed because he now is able to sit in that place in Israel, Jerusalem. And when this happens, what did our King Yehusha say will take place soon after? Let's read Matthew 24, uh, 15, 21 to 22. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So according to our King Yahushua, the sign that we need to be looking out for is when the Antichrist is going to sit or he's going to fulfill what is called the abomination Of desolation, which is when the Antichrist is going to sit in the temple and demand worship for himself, which would be the ultimate abomination of desolation. When you reject Yahuwah and everything he stands for, when you sit in Yahuwah's home, Yahuwah's city, Jerusalem, and you receive the worship for yourself in his so called temple, right? That's the abomination of desolation. Daniel talked about that. And so he's going to sit at the temple and he's going to receive worship that belongs to Yahuwah to create what is called the abomination of desolation. And when this happens, the tribulation is going to take place such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. So there's going to be a day of great trouble right after This law, this man of sin, the lawless one sits at the temple. It's going to be tribulation that follows, which would basically represent the outpouring of Yahuwah's wrath, right? But for this to happen, what does Michael have to do? For this tribulation such as never was to happen, what does Michael have to do? Well, he has to be removed, right? And so is that also found in scripture? Well, actually, yes. In Daniel chapter 12, passages we are familiar with, at that time, Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. So Daniel clearly identifies Michael as the one who is the prince. He is the angelic protector in charge of what kingdom again? Israel. So he stands watch over the sons of your people, Daniel's people, Israel. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. At that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who was found written in the book. The Bible says Yahushua is referring to the book of Daniel because he says it's going to be tribulation, such as never was, right? And this is identified in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. When will this happen? The Bible says, when Michael shall stand up right so after Michael stands up then there's going to be this trouble this great trouble such as never was since there was a nation well that does not make sense right why is it that when Michael stands up that's when all this trouble starts to happen shouldn't it be That when Michael stands up, who is the restrainer, shouldn't it be that as he stands up, there should be a restraining work, which would mean there is no time of trouble, right? Doesn't that make sense? And so we need to look into what that word means, stand up. So let's go to Blue Letter Bible. And what does it mean that Michael will stand up? The Hebrew word used is Ahmad. Hebrew five, nine, seven, five. So what does it mean um, for Michael to stand up, right? Because he's gonna stand up. What does it mean? Ahmad, the word Ahmad means to stand, to remain, to endure, to take one stand. But take a look at the alternate definition. It also means to stand still, to stop moving or stop doing. If his work was restraining, and if you were to cease restraining, to stop restraining, then logically, because if you will just stand still, right, if you will stop doing what he's doing, which is rest- restraining, then of course you can expect that bad things are going to happen to Israel. Make sense? And so could it be that the word Ahmad, when used in Daniel 12.1, means to stand still, to stop moving or doing, to cease? Well, the word Ahmad in other scriptures, that's what it means. For example, in Job 32, verse 16, because they stood still, the word uses Ahmad, 2 Samuel, 1830. So he turned aside and stood still. It is the the word Ahmad. And so in Daniel 12.1, this is the word Ahmad. What if instead of stand up, we put stand still, stop doing or cease? At that time, Michael shall stand still, he will stop doing, he will cease. In other words, he will leave his jurisdiction of Israel, right? Now, why would that be? Why would Yahuwah want Michael to leave that place? Well, in Revelation 12, which we studied before, remember, uh, in Revelation 12, 7 to 9, a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought and they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Remember the fall of Satan before he was at cherub who occupied the mountain of God, and then he fell. And in his fall, he was no longer allowed to dwell at that high place of God, but he could still access the lower places of heaven. He can still access, he has dominion over earth, right? And then he falls again because of this cosmic battle. Michael and his angels defeat the dragon and his angels. And this time they're no longer allowed in heaven. High heaven, low heaven, mid heaven. They're not allowed in heaven, period. And so they're stuck where? On earth. Why are they stuck on earth? Because something's going to happen to the earth at this point. What is that? After the Ecclesia is harpazod, the pouring of wrath is going to happen upon the earth. And so the devil now is on the earth. And the angel, Michael the archangel, of course, is going to move out. (laughs) He's going to leave Jerusalem because Yahuwah's judgment is not going to fall upon the earth. And so in that sense, the restrainer was removed, right? The lawless, the the restrainer was removed. And so the the lawless one, I mean, the, the dragon is hurled to the earth. The earth now becomes the headquarters of the dragon. He raises up the false prophet. He raises up the beast. And take a look at what happens next. Second Thessalonians 7 to 10. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan because Satan is now gonna be on earth stuck there. So he's gonna occupy his focus upon the earth. And so the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And so it makes sense that when Michael the archangel, after the battle in heaven, and the the, the devil is confined to the earth, exiled from heaven, so the whole world is going to be the, the full focus of the devil. He sets up his beast. And so he sits at the uh, most, uh, at the temple. He makes Jerusalem as his headquarters. And so after this, he begins to empower the beast with lying wonders and power and signs. Because now, Yehovah permits all this to happen. Because soon after, the tribulation is going to hit because of the plagues, the of wrath to destroy the antichrist and those who are left on the earth and so those are the different possibilities first one we have like uh, the apostles the holy spirit the ecclesia and also the michael the archangel of these different possibilities which one kind of uh you resonate with the most is it michael for me kind of michael but then what if though i mean we cannot really be sure Right. This is why we cannot be dogmatic about this. We're dogmatic about the gospel message, right? For you to be saved, we need to embrace the gospel message. We need to believe Yahushua died. He was buried, he was resurrected, and he ascended to heaven for our sins so we can be saved. Right. We believe that dogmatically. But you know who the restrainer is? Well, it's hard to make a dogmatic conclusion because it doesn't explicitly tell us. But it's kind of fun to speculate, kind of fun to look at possibilities, right? but what if what if right? what if the passage that we're looking at second thessalonians 2 6 to 8 what if we have been looking at this passage wrongly all along <laughs> that would radically kind of change our perspective of second thessalonians 2 6 to 8 why do we say this well what's the premise so far what's the premise that we are operating from when we are studying all about the restrainer. Well, we've been operating from this passage, right? This is like our basis. And so we know there is the restrainer. And our belief is, our standing uh, principle is that the restrainer must be taken out of the way, right? Right? Because once the restrainer is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be fully revealed because the work of lawlessness will be fully released, fully expressed, because the restrainer is taken out of the way. But what if this translation, which says he is taken out of the way, what if that is not supported by the original language? What if it's not supported, for example, by the Greek language? And so that's something worth looking into. So let's take some time to kind of look into this possibility. Let's look at that phrase, right? He be taken out of the way, because that's been our standing policy. We've been operating from this belief that there's going to be this restraint who's gonna be taken out of the way, right? But is that what it actually says? Let's take a look. Blue-letter Bible. On the left, you have the English translation. He be taken out of the way. And so that phrase, he be taken out of the way, well, they get that from three different Greek words, right? Genomai ek mesos. So genomai ek mesos, what does that mean? Let's begin with genomai. What, is the, what does it actually mean? Does it mean taken? Does it mean removing? Let's read uh, the meaning of that word, it basically means to become. It means to arise, to be made, to be finished. But it doesn't say anywhere there that it means to be taken, right? Or take away or to remove. The only time we read that as remove is when we read Second Thessalonians. But the way it's used in other parts of scripture, it is to express the meaning, to become, to arise. And so a literal, without any bias, without any translation bias, when you read it just from the Greek, right? What it means, what it's saying to us is, this, he be taken, should be he becomes or he arises, right? Right? It doesn't say he be taken. Now, let's take a look at the next word, out of. Is that what it says in the word ek? Okay. It says out of, from, by, away from. Now, when we think of out of, what do we think of? We think of out of, meaning removal, out of, right? But when you look at the word ek, it means it's a primary preposition denoting origin and so when we connect uh, the first word which is genomai, with the next word ek it's telling us the following he becomes he arises from a place of origin and that place of origin is mesos the greek word 3319 which means the midst or in the middle or in the midst or amongst so what it's actually telling us when we read the Greek without any translation bias, it's the following. It doesn't say he be taken out of the way. It says he becomes or he arises from the midst. It doesn't say that anyone's going to be removed. It doesn't say one is going to be taken, taken out of a certain jurisdiction. It doesn't say that. What it says is, there's going to be a he who will emerge, who will rise from the midst, right? And so, what could that possibly mean? Well, when we look at all the Greek words and we subtract all the, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, English translation bias, the translation bias, this is what we have, right? This is how it reads. Even now, the restrainer, the neuter form, you know that to be revealed he in the his own time, the for mystery already is working of iniquity, except the masculine restrainer, now until from the midst he becomes. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of hard to read, right? But it doesn't tell us about any, about the restrainer being removed, it does not. Instead, what it tells us is even now, you know, recognize the restraining effort that he should be revealed in his own time for the mystery of iniquity, except the restrainer is already working now until he becomes, arises from the myths. And so when we just look at the Greek without any translation bias, it tells us the restrainer is not going to be removed it's telling us the restrainer at the appointed time will emerge or will arise from the midst. That's what it's telling us. And this makes sense because in Revelation 13:1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name." Here, it speaks about the beast rising up out of the sea. We talked about this passage before. When it says rising up out of the sea, the sea represents wicked people or wickedness of the world. And so it's telling us when the work of lawlessness is already at work and it gets worse and worse and worse, it sets up the stage for the beast to rise up. Make sense? And so the beast will arise, he will become, he will come from the people who are filled with wickedness. And so this tells us that right before the emergence of the false prophet, the beast, we're going to see a level of lawlessness such as we have not yet seen. And then once the beast rises, it's going to get a lot worse, and then the wrath of Yahuwah is going to come. So that's a possibility. Very intriguing, right? Kind of changes it completely, <laughs> but it seems to fit the context as well. Look at the context. Let's read the whole passage together. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 to 9. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sins reveal the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself That he is gone. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do it until he is taken out of the way. Remember? And when the lawless one, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. When we look at the context, Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians about not being deceived, right? Because they were troubled because of the fact many were getting deceived. They were getting deceived because they were beginning to think that the Harpazo event already took place, and they missed out on it. And so he's saying do not be deceived i already talked to you about this event so there's no reason for you to be deceived and so when we look at the translation of six and seven which we just did from the greek alone without any uh bias from a translator we can rewrite this passage like this right in verses six and seven even now you know the restraining effort that he should be revealed in his own season or the mystery of lawlessness except the restrainer is already working now until he becomes, arises from the midst. Remember, Apostle Paul says do not be deceived because something needs to happen. And what will happen is the, the, there's going to be the appearing of the, uh, the Antichrist, the lawless one. But before this can happen, something must happen first. And he will be revealed in his own season. And, that's what, and that will happen when he begins to arise from the midst. This is why when you look at the context, Apostle Paul is explaining to the Thessalonians that the, the restrainer is going to be revealed. And what is being restrained is not lawlessness. What is being restrained is the truth. This is why lawlessness will abound and we can get an idea of that fact when we look at the neuter nouns neuter pronouns and the masculine pronouns because in the Greek syntax for you to make sense of the structure of a passage, you need to match the uh, pronouns with the proper pronouns you need to you need to match the what with the what and the who with the who right. We need to match these pronouns. For example, uh, the restraining effort and the mystery of lawlessness, those are neuter nouns. And so the mystery of lawlessness, the work of iniquity, the work of lawlessness, that is what's going to be happening. Okay? That's the restraining effort. And who is going to be the one who who is going to be revealed? It's the man of sin, the son of perdition. That is a masculine, singular. And the restrainer in the green, that is a masculine, singular. So the restrainer referred to in verse 7, that's the man of sin, the son of perdition. And when you go to verse 4, and it mentions who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, it is also masculine, singular, and that refers to the lawless one who will be revealed. And so this lawless one is going to be revealed at the proper time. And the work of the lawless one is to restrain, to suppress the truth. Once the truth has been properly suppressed, it's now right for him to emerge. It's now the ideal time for him to arise from the sea, right? This is why in Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so the work of the restrainer is really to suppress the truth so that people will end up becoming lawless and evil and wickedness will abound, setting the stage for the Antichrist to be finally revealed. So that's an idea as well. Of course, all of this are speculative. Nothing, we cannot be explicitly sure, right? And so one would say it's probably Michael. One might say it's probably the Holy Spirit. One might believe, okay, maybe the restrainer is, the antichrist and what the work of restraining is suppressing the truth to allow wickedness to blossom and to propagate so you have all these different possibilities which one is which which one should we believe in you know what doesn't really matter do you know what matters what matters is what apostle paul said in the passage i don't know if you were able to pick it up because you can have all these different Different possibilities, but there's one thing that is the same in all those possibilities. You know what it is? There's two things that we need to be warned about. It doesn't matter if you believe the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, the apostles. It doesn't matter if you believe the restrainer is Michael the archangel or the restrainer is the, 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 uh, the, the, the man of sin himself. It doesn't matter. What matters is what Apostle Paul revealed. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 down to 6. He mentions two things, right? What are those two things? That's going to be happening regardless of what you believe. There's going to be a falling away. What else? The mystery of lawlessness will be at work. Those two things. And those two things... Maybe what will prevent a person from receiving salvation? What is the falling away referred to there? The Greek word is apostasia. It is the falling away from, letter T, what is that? Truth, right? There's a falling away from the truth, apostasia, and lawlessness. Question Is this happening right now? It is. This is why the message of Apostle Paul that is directly applicable to us is this. We need to be cautious. We need to be aware. We need to be proactive about what is going to take place before the end comes. There's going to be a falling away. There's going to be lawlessness. Two things, lawlessness and apostasy. And who warned us about lawlessness in one of uh, the most frightening biblical passages in the the whole Bible. (laughs) This is what Yahushua says in Matthew 7, 21, 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Our King Yahushua in this passage, is giving us a warning that we need to be very, very concerned about. Because the people who are going to be rejected by our King Yahushua, well, the one in this passage, they're going to be religious people, right? Why? Because you're going to call him Lord. They're not going to reject Yahushua. They call him Lord. Not only do they call him Lord, what will they do? They will prophesy in his name. They will cast out demons in his name. They will do many wonders in his name. So these are religious people, but Yahushua will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so Yahushua does not know them. And Yahushua tells us why, what did he say? You who practice lawlessness. And so what our King Yahushua is telling us is to be mindful of our relationship with Yahuwah and Because it's possible to belong to a religion and at the same time practice lawlessness. Do you know what it means to practice lawlessness? What does it mean to be lawless? To be without what? Law. Are there religious practices? Are there people who profess faith in Yahusha, but they reject the law? There are. And this is what our King Yahusha said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Is it possible to belong to a religion? Is it possible to practice religion and be lawless? Yeah, when you reject the law. What is the law referred to by our King Yahusha? The commandments. Because there are people today who profess faith in Yahusha, which is a good thing. But at the same time, they throw away the Ten Commandments. They have faith in our King Yahusha, but they don't believe in the law. They don't believe in the Ten commandments of yahuwah and so according to yahushua they're practicing lawlessness and that's a something we need to consider in our walk with yahushua are we professing faith in him and at the same time because of our faith we are moved to obey the ten commandments because there are those who say well we belong to The age of faith, right? This is the New Testament. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the age of faith. The New Test, the Old Testament law, the commandments no longer apply. But look what Apostle Paul says. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. (laughs) That answers the question, right? On the contrary, we establish the law. Apostle Paul says we live in a day of faith. By faith in our King Yahushua, we are justified. We are not justified by the law, we're justified by faith, but it doesn't mean we throw away the law. It means we are justified by faith so that we can carry out and establish the law. We're saved so that by the freedom that Yehusha has purchased for us, we now have the freedom to obey the Ten Commandments. We don't obtain redemption and then say we don't want to obey the law, right? Well, what is the law referred to by Apostle Paul? Romans seven twelve. therefore the law is holy, the commandment holy, and just and good. What is the law? The commandments. Which ones? The Ten Commandments. This is why in the Assembly of Yahushua, we preach that we are justified, we are saved by faith in our King, Yehusha, but it doesn't mean we reject the law. We are saved so that we can carry out the good work of obeying the law of Yahuwah, the Ten commandments. So that's something we need to be aware of because there's so many people today who reject the Ten Commandments. Lawlessness is what Apostle Paul says. And now more and more people today, people who profess Christianity, people who profess Christ, people who read the Bible, they keep saying, no, we don't need the Ten Commandments, right? Lawlessness. That's what the Bible says. But we also need to worry about apostasy, the falling away from the truth, and so who are those who are without the truth, even if they profess the truth? First John 2, 3 to 6. Now by this we know. That we know him if we keep his commandments. I want to pause it for a while. Remember what Yahusha said? You call me Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. And so they did not have that proper relationship with our King Yahusha. And how can we have this relationship with our King Yahusha? Bible says we can know someone, we can know Yahuwah, we can know Yahusha, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Bible says... Those who have a true relationship with Yahusha, they walk the way he walks, right? Because if he walks one way and you walk the other way, how can you have a relationship with Yahusha? How can you know him? To know Yahusha means you walk the way he walks. How did Yahusha walk? He obeyed the Ten Commandments. In fact, in Matthew 5, when he said, I came to fulfill the law, he even gave examples of the Ten Commandments and how it should be carried out by his disciples. And so if we want to walk Yahushua's walk, we ought to be keeping his commandments the way he kept those commandments. And when we do not keep the commandments, the Bible says the truth is not in him. What does that mean? You're falling away from the truth. You may profess faith. You may be practicing religion, but it's falling away from the truth. It's the apostasy. When we fall from the truth. And it's no longer the truth. The truth is no longer in us. And that is what Apostle Paul warned us about. So we need to keep the commands. Well, which commands? What command is referred to here by the Apostle John? We read 2, 3 to 6. Let's read the final passage of our studies today in verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning, and so what commandment was Apostle John referring to? The one you heard from the beginning. What could that be? The Ten Commandments. For us to be in the truth, we must profess faith in Yahusha, so that by His shed blood through baptism, we will be able to obey the Ten Commandments. And so we are to be baptized into the body of Yahusha, not so that we have the license to remove the law but so that we can establish the law or fulfill the law so that the truth can be in us. But so many people today are going to reject the law. They're going to reject the truth. And Apostle Paul says, when that day happens, the Antichrist is being primed to rise from the sea, to rise from the world. And we know that is happening now. Even amongst people who profess Christianity, they reject the Ten Commandments. And those who reject the Bible altogether, may come up with their own Ten Commandments. And so the Bible says we must not fall from the truth. We must uphold lawfulness, not lawlessness, okay? That is our lesson. Let us stand for our prayer. Almighty and loving Father, gracious Yahuwah Abba, thank you for equipping us with wisdom. Teach us, Father, to uphold the law that we may observe the truth and be found in the truth, which is what we proclaim in the assembly of Yahusha. Help us loving Abba in this work. Yahuwah Allahim in heaven, show compassion and mercy upon us and help us to be relentless in our work for salvation, that more people will know more about your truth. Our King Yahusha, thank you so much. We have faith in you by means of our faith. By means of our baptism, we who are now in your body, we have the duty and responsibility to uphold the commandments. Help us to do so according to your will, to follow your steps. Thank you. Because of your shed blood, we can receive the promised everlasting life. Father, please bless our program. Use it as an instrument to reach the hearts and minds of many more people. We ask and beg everything, loving Father. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha Hamashiach. Amen.